to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another season of Sluts and Scholars. I hope you all have had a pleasurable summer. I'm trying things a little differently this season. I'm going to be doing monthly themes, sort of like mini seasons. As we ease our way back in slowly with lots of lube, the month of September will be back to the basics. Kind of like going back to school, but hopefully more sexy. I know some of you slutty scholars are advanced and some of you are just baby sluts tuning in for the first time, but I think it is always good to slow down and come back to the basics. Even when you think you know it all, there's always more to learn and be curious about. This first episode is great for folks of all experience levels and focuses on navigating desires, like when to act on them and when to let them just exist in your mind and in your body. My guests and I also talk about shame, sexological bodywork, retreats, and why the patriarchy is harmful for everyone. Let's go back to the basics, you sluts and scholars. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And today I have two guests that I recently got to meet at a really cool retreat called Back to the Body, founded by Pamela Madsen, who will be on later this season. And I am so happy to introduce two amazing folks. Cosmo Means is a father, husband, son, brother, and friend. He is committed to bringing the world of sexuality and sensuality into a playful and loving field where the light shines brightly into the darkness on all parts of ourselves and are seen as loved and valued. He is committed to supporting men in finding their truth and desire. Cosmo completed his somatic sex educator training in 2017 and started working with Back to the Body, Sensuous Retreats for Women shortly afterwards. He is a strong advocate of immersion-based learning and facilitated the first Apollo Project Retreat, which we will be talking about today, in 2019. He has also been an active board member of the Somatic Sex Educators Union Association since 2018. Melissa D. is a provocateur behind Body Joy Intimacy School based in Austin, Texas, and a somatic body worker for both the Apollo Project and Back to the Body. Her delightfully explicit classes and social events offer up a unique journey into erotic growth and exploration, inspiring couples to learn ways to talk, touch, and play that feel both safe and exciting. With a trauma-sensitive foundation, she skillfully leads customized immersive experiences, which I can attest to, that nourish, enliven, and call explorers deeply into their own erotic self-expression. All experiences are curated through the lens of sexological bodywork, trance states, Tao tantric perspectives, and BDSM. Welcome, Cosmo and Melissa. Woohoo! Woohoo! Wow, these people sound amazing. <laughs> I know. Who is she? Who are they? <laughs> um, thank you, Nicoletta. Yeah, okay. thanks, Nicoletta. So something that you all do is embodiment and helping bring people back to their bodies. And so I know today we want to talk about desire and how that looks and feels in the body and what we can do with it. So I know both of you have some amazing practices to do this. So Cosmo, I would love if you would maybe start us off with something in that realm to kind of get us in the mood. Yeah. In the mood. Oh yeah. Great. I love that. Thank you for the invitation. So I ponder 
a ton on desire and like the will, like what, what is moving me in the world? What compels me to, um, to go after what I want, to ask for what I want, potentially not to. And those blocks or compulsions are what really drive me in this work. And so just for fun, I'll ask um, both of you here today mm, and, and everyone that's, that's listening. Um, thank you to just let your eyes soften and just take a moment to notice your breath and the seat beneath you or the ground beneath your feet. And I'm going to invite you to find a desire that you would never share with anyone. And just to notice, it might take you a second, so give yourself a minute, or it might just pop in right away like you know it. That's a go-to for arousal or a fantasy. But something that, for whatever reason, you would not share whether it doesn't feel morally correct, ethically correct, legal, whatever it is, just for a moment, let's just remove the blinders of uh, morality or ethics or <laughs> um, legality and just let it be in your body, this desire. And what if you were allowed to, or you allowed yourself to feel any and every desire that wants to move through you. I'm not in any way permissioning or saying to just go out and do these things. Okay. That's a completely different conversation. What I'm inviting is the possibility that your body, your desires are yours to have as a meal in and of themselves. And what would it be like to just free yourself from having these restrictions internally in your own inner landscape around your desires? So just take another breath there. Mm. And just as we come back, to the conversation so just just noticing what you felt I don't wanna. When, I, when I when I asked that okay <laughs> noticing if it was like oh fuck I can't I can't feel that I can't uh, allow that presence um but maybe after you know after you're finished listening of course um take this and and go to a piece of paper and write it and feel it and maybe after that you burn it maybe you don't want that to go into um to be found anywhere, but just what would it be like to allow your body to feel and be permission to feel whatever desire flows through you and then have the skills and the capacity to navigate which of those you choose to bring to the world? Mm. I, For me, I felt, and then Melissa, I'd love to hear what you thought. And then I have so many questions on this, I feel like. Um, 
when you first did it, I noticed myself smile. So it was like permit. <laughs> yeah. It was like permission to be like, yeah. Oh, this naughty thing. And I totally un, uh, unconsciously noticed I was like smiling, but it was like that, like, <laughs> you know, that kind of like naughty vibe, like you don't know what I'm thinking about. Um, so that was kind of like naughty and fun and smiley. Um, and then I would say I felt like pretty good in my body, but then I think I had a little trouble coming back because it was like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do with this now? Um, uh-huh. Like that felt nice. I think it was hard to have it. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of like, like I said, oh, I don't want to come back. Um, like it felt like I was leaving a nice vacation. Mm-hmm. What about you, Melissa? Cool. A couple things came up for me. First was I have I have this fantasy and I'm not going to tell you what I was thinking for this exercise. Oh, but me? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can if you want me to. But but no, um, I, I have this desire in general to have a confession booth at a play party, like as an art installation, mm. a place where people do bring these things to and they're able to speak them into the space. So when I was first going in there, I thought, ooh, confession booth velvet curtain that I close and a little like sexy priest (laughs) or priestess who knows Um, so so I went there and then I was like going through you know the catalog in my mind thinking okay what is something I wouldn't share or couldn't share and it took me a bit because there's a lot because I'm pretty open yeah and there's a lot of things that I don't there's a lot open and available. And so there's not much that I kind of keep just for myself, but I, but I found something. For me, it's quite taboo. And I'm thinking, Ooh, and then I felt a little shit, a little shame, which uh-huh. again is, which is hard for me mm. to find. Mm, yes. Agreed. But yeah. But good to know that even folks like us who are in, you know, this field or adjacent fields, like still there's moments or pockets of shame. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I guess that brings up this question or do you feel, do you feel complete in your share? Well, well, there is one more share and right in front of where I'm, I'm at a immersion right now. So I'm in a space that I normally don't work in, but there is a picture. There's three things on the wall. There's a black hat. And then there's this picture of a sloth, a baby sloth. And it's all... It's little, it's little cheeks are like, as if to say, oh yeah. And then it's got this picture to the side that says, that's good. Like in script. Um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> is the, is the fantasy that you want to fuck the sloth or what? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, who knows? Or, the, or the hat. Yeah. There's the hat. There's Wait, the I've got a, I've got I a, think- I've got a sloth over here for you. <laughs> Do we both have sloths on our walls? That's wild. Yeah. Okay, I'll take a picture of this. That's good. Oh. Very nice. But it was like this permissioning of like, oh yeah, Mango. And Mango is just a nickname that a lot of people refer to me, mm-hmm. if you, especially if you're close to me. Um, like, yeah, that's it. That's good. <laughs> okay, so this this brings up the question, and I'd love to hear from both of you of like, when do you share a desire or a fantasy, and when do you delight in keeping it for yourself? So I have developed this and I won't get too far into it because it would take more time than we have, but um, I'm writing about it a lot right now. And it's, it's, it's a six part sequence of how to work with desire so that we're not, uh, well, specifically me, I'll speak for myself so that I'm not afraid of my own desires. And 
I think that the critical piece of transitioning from desire as a meal of it in and of itself, which is this internal allowance to bringing it to the world, I call making the ask. Okay. So that's, that's the, the transition from the desire to the ask is, is when it moves from my inner world, from what I call ether to matter. And so what I'm really clear on is that when I move something erotically speaking specifically, but lots of things, this is applicable to from ether to matter, I must care what the world thinks of it. I have to include the world in, in my desire. And so it involves negotiation. It involves finding out a way it involves um, dealing with shame. It involves dealing with shame. Sometimes shame can be a very deliberate guidepost though, that will guide us away from desires becoming an ask of the world. So I, I actually have a unique relationship with shame now where at once I wanted to eradicate it from, I wanted to get rid of shame. Um, now but actually you have a I have, relationship with it. I have a relationship with shame where I go, Oh, okay. Shame is telling me something. Am I listening? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it imposed? Is it somebody else's ethics and morals that are an imposition on me that are creating that shame? Or is this my internal um, guidance system helping me um, navigate? And so for me, the transition of taking something from that inner etherical world out into matter is I must care in that transition, what the world thinks, and then let it go. I mean, the thing that pops into my mind is like, just because we share or turn something from ether into matter doesn't mean that desire has to go into behavior. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I guess that could be a separate question is like, it can be okay to share a desire or a fantasy, but be okay knowing that sometimes we actually don't want it to happen. We might just say like, oh, I have this fantasy. I don't actually want to make it into a tangible reality, but like I wanted to share it because it's hot or I wanted to share it because it makes me feel closer to you or whatever. Um, And then sometimes we express a desire, but it's met with Uh, no, I can't show up in that way for you right now. Mm -hmm. And then that'll be a later question is like, how do we deal with that when we don't get to have the thing we just expressed? (laughs) But yeah, I don't know, Melissa, what do you, what do you think? I I love all your answers because I have a different thought process and maybe it's the type of desires that I personally have what I'm going through. It's, um, you know, is this keeping me from, from living more free? Mm Mm-hmm. So for example, a lot of clients that I work with, there's some sort of desire that's keeping them buckled. It's not just, oh, Mm. you know, I want oral sex for 30 minutes a day versus a second, or I want to see my partner get done with, you know, it's it's these other things that like, maybe it's a part of their identity. Like they're not living off more authentically. Right. So it's keeping them buckled and shield from the world rather than Ooh, this would be kind of nice. Or this is a, this is like a naughty little fun thing that I like to think about and spin around. So there's, so there's these different levels. And so for me personally, I like to play around with, yeah, is this something that I can just juice up, you know, and just kind of spin around and kind of play with, or do I need to actually share this to get it out of my heart and out of my space so that I can live more free? Yeah. I guess that that sort of is like, is it a need or is it a, just a desire or a want? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, okay. Let's say we decide to share the thing and it's something we want to happen. I mean, the, the most obvious that comes to mind with me and the couples and partners that I see is I want to have sex and my partner doesn't. Um, oh, wow. And so, and, and just in the moment, right? Like we've got <laughs> right. the, the person who is a little more spontaneous desire and they are like, I want to turn towards connection and have sex because that's what will make me feel good. And the other person is like, I can't think of anything further from what I want to do. I want space. Mm-hmm. How do we manage with having this desire, potentially either either just holding it or expressing it, and then having the other person be like, no. <laughs> Oh man, this opens up so much for me, Nicoletta. Like, there's so many nuances. No, it's not triggering. It's just, it's almost like I want to tap the screen and move in more because I'm wondering, okay, are they being shut down each time? Is this? There's um, a lot of layers here. Yeah, there's there's so many layers because that would inform whether or not like how the the ask may land with somebody and how easy it's going to go from like you know I'm not available for that right now but if it's like a ongoing pattern and it's actually creating a big rift in like Mm -hmm. the totality of the relationship then I would have some more things to say am I overthinking this no you're not I I I love that I mean I'm a therapist so you're not overthinking it I could like zoom in on the like processing and the minutiae for hours, which we don't have, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. um I think, yeah, and then it also brings up the question, how do you express your desire? Right. Like, are there other mm. ways that you could express it so that your partner would feel um more open to it or that they would feel more open to collaborating on something that would work for both of you? Um yeah, I mean, yeah. build, building it into the relationship or the, the the how you communicate with your partner, with your friend, with your colleague, mm-hmm. whatever, like building that opportunity that like, like hey, we have this time and space where we get to share desires. They don't need to be fulfilled. They don't need to be put on the list. It, it may not happen, but we want to build them in so that you can share and it can be held at least, at least heard, right? What do you think, Cosmo? Um, okay, I want to jump back for a second and then jump back into this. So just, you said something, uh, Nicoletta. We're that... all big processors. I feel like we're, okay. we're like, yeah. <laughs> but you said something that I, I loved and it just it triggered a memory of, of, of a client that I had recently that, um, that was kind of like saying, I don't want my fantasy to come into the light or it ruins it. So like, and you said something about, well, what if, what if there was never any intention to bring that, to bring that piece in because there is something seductive. Um, You know, we call it the erotic equation, which is like, you know, interest plus obstacle equals excitement, right? So if we remove the obstacle and make it possible, it's no longer exciting. It's not hot anymore. (laughs) It's not hot anymore. Yeah, just tell me I can't have it and I want it. You can't have it and then it's exciting. But let's say, okay, so so that's just like a fun thing to notice that like there is so much room for our desires and our fantasies to just stay in that realm. And that's kind of like, that's why it's like the desire is its own whole feast that never has to come over and cross into matter. But let's just jump forward to where we're at now, which is you saying, okay, you come to a partner and you say, okay, I want to have sex. Um, So in that particular scenario, what I would say is like, well, what are they willing to do? So maybe the partner would say, okay, well, actually I I'm not feeling um, all that sexually charged right now, but maybe if we were to move into some type of mutual touch, um, 
let's see how, let's see where it goes from there. Um, would you be willing to uh, not commit to sex, but commit to like trading foot rubs or trading like yeah. um, an erotic massage or doing something that was like meeting in the middle? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, pick something else off the menu. Yeah. And that's where the care piece that I was talking about, when we bring it from ether to matter, there needs to be care because we need to care that our partners, lovers, or whoever's involved has a say in it, right? That they, they have a full fuck yes, or their participation is uh, voluntary and interested. And so um, that's why the desire is so much ours. But as soon as it's an ask and it's brought to the world, it becomes something that's not just ours. And we really have to like attune to listening to what um, I'll say to the world, but let's just say in this case, our partner has to say about it. And then we have to care. We have to care about them um, in, you know, monogamous relationships. That's a little more complicated because if you're always wanting sex and your partner doesn't, you're in this real like sort of stalemate conundrum. Um, but also if you have multiple partners and you're saying there's, there's two parts to that question, you can say, are you wanting sex with me or are you just wanting sex? Sex, Right. <laughs> yes. I think you hit the nail on the head there of like getting in touch with what is the intention. Right. And I, not to ask ourselves, like, why do I want this in a judgmental way? Like, why do you like this? But in a sense of what am I actually looking for here? Yeah, right. Like, exactly. am I looking for connection? Am I looking just to get off? Cause I can go masturbate or do that by myself or hook up with someone else. Um, am I looking for just time together? Am I looking to feel beautiful? Like, what am I actually reaching for here in my desire? And I think that also might help people shift their ask because mm-hmm. I, I think, and, and then we could talk a little bit about maybe how you do this at Apollo, but I've noticed for a lot of my cisgendered male clients they have learned that like sex is the only place that they are allowed to like express themselves emotionally, connectively, romantically, vulnerably. And so sex becomes like air and water. Mm -hmm. And so instead of getting in touch with like, actually, I'm really wanting this or actually I'm really wanting this. It's like sex. I need sex. Sex is the answer, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of male clients that, you know, they want hookups they're going to the hookups and again, there's nothing wrong with hookups, but they're going for that versus like all these other ways of being vulnerable, close, connected, touched, felt, you know, and then once they feel those, especially in the container of Apollo, they're like, Oh, I can start teasing out these different ways to connect and even be in my sensuality, be in my vulnerability, be in softness. Mm-hmm. or be you know seen as a sexual person there's all these different ways versus just one yeah mm-hmm. hey listeners nicoletta here i want to invite you and a partner or lover to join me on september 24th and 25th for a two-day partner-based retreat at a private seaside ranch in malibu you can find all the details and tickets at the pleasure This retreat is designed for partners wishing to enhance pleasure in the bedroom and beyond, and it is specifically created for folks who are struggling to start or restart the conversation around sex, intimacy, and desire. No experience is required, just willingness for more. I'm hosting with two other pleasure experts, the canisexual Ashley Manta, as well as renowned behavioral therapist Lisa Rader. We know that most of us are not taught how to have great sex, but practice makes pleasure. Come join us to learn the skills to enhance pleasure and intimacy in your relationship. 
Only 14 couples will be invited, so come secure your spot today at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. The discounted rate is available for the first three couples only, or find details on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. That's thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. So mm-hmm. I've been I've been looking for a great retreat for men for a long time. A lot of the retreats that I've found in the past focus on like semen retention or like lasting longer or being like the be- her best lover ever. And like, oh, nothing, yeah, right. Nothing <laughs> wrong with those. I've seen people get a lot out of it, but Hell yeah. Um, yeah. it wasn't everything I was looking for to refer clients to. So mm-hmm. in this, in this same vein that we're talking about with desire, like what, what are the, some of the things that y'all do at Apollo to help people find their desires, to find their voice for this and, and to really put it into embodied action? Mm. Well, yeah, just wanting to touch on, yeah, some of the differences that you noted there. So again, you know, nothing wrong with semen retention and wanting to be a warrior and kind of, you know, feel your full strength. We do have a, a, a different approach at Apollo though, uh, for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Um, first off, we are socialized uh, as, you know, cis heterosexual men, generally speaking, but I could say possibly men across the board um, to just kind of to be productive, to show up hard, to be ready. And, and a lot of that is really daunting, right? And so what we're actually creating at Apollo is a different space. Um, so instead of saying, uh, this is what we think men should be like, or men can be better by doing this, we're really in this space of inquiry. So we are, um, what are men like? What are you like as a man placing yourself in that? And that is really what we're doing at Apollo is we're learning about men. So rather than telling men what they should be like or giving them a set of skills or a set of tools that will make them better men, which implies that we know what a better man looks like, right? We're saying, what are men like and how can we support you in being the most um, authentic, vulnerable, honest, integral you that's possible? And we do that through a series of embodiment practices, um, movement breath, touch, sound, both in the, the collective group that we do with the men, which is not, not really an erotic space uh, between the men, but it's more of like an embodied sort of brotherhood sharing space. Uh, and then we do it with one-on-one sessions where they're actually working hands-on with a female-bodied practitioner to find out what types of sensations they like, how fast or slow they like it whether they've even ever thought of what they want or how they wanted to be touched other than just like, you know, penis and vagina penetrative sex. And like you, you sort of grouped there together that the reasons why someone might go after sex are so complex. We help tweeze apart what they're actually looking for. Do they want to be held? And we do that in a very physical hands-on way. So it's not like a psychological game where we say, well, how would you like to be held? And they kind of think about all the ways. We actually have them feel it. What you know, and when you're laying on a table and someone says, "How do you want to be touched?" and you're naked and there's a woman there, the first thing you think is, "Well, I want my cock touched, of course." But then once you're there, 
You go, I don't know. I actually might want my head stroked and my back tickled. And I, I want you to crawl on the table and hold me while I cry because I'm so frustrated with how so the I world want mommy. is. Yeah. Right. Or, or whatever, Perhaps. like whatever yeah. the story is, the, mm-hmm. the truth is, is that once you're actually asked and given the opportunity to learn about who you are inside and what you actually want, you become more articulate. So we teach about learning to articulate, learning new language, learning about new sensations and what it means to find that tuning fork in your body to guide you to your own living truth. Mm, I'm, I'd also Beautiful like said. to add Cosmo that um, there's something really beautiful that happens when the, fe- and I'm one of the female practitioners, this container is, is led and held by men and Cosmo's the main, the main person. Um, but they get to come in to session with us and we are not filling in as a lover, a partner. We're not mm-hmm. there um, to have an exchange with them in that sense. So they can really separate themselves and start really feeling on their side of things. What do they actually want when it's not directed towards someone else? Now those natural desires will come in. We're all attracted to females and we want to bring it because that, that, that gives them the truth in their body. Right. But we're not there to take something from them. We're not surrogate partners, which really narrows it down and makes it easier for them to focus. So just to just to clarify for listeners, if you aren't familiar with that, there's a lot of different kinds of body work. Um, Surrogate partner therapy is usually more like there's a two way touch where it's almost practicing like um, practicing relationship with somebody and like how to engage in relationship if you don't or haven't had a safe partner to practice that with um, versus what you're describing. uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more about like practicing receiving in a more one way experience um, where you are sharing space, obviously. So there's some two way energy stuff, but it's more about, um, I guess, a little more focused on, um, yeah, the client, like learning how and their own body. um, Yeah. And not feeling like they have to take care of you or do something, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the touch goes one directional. So I, as a practitioner, I do have gloves on if there's any genital or anal touch. And sometimes there isn't. Um, full body touch goes to them. And I'm fully clothed as a practitioner. So again, like I'm not, a lot of surrogates, you know, there's a variety of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are all, all cool things. Check them yeah. all yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. They're very cool. Um, so we just offer a different container because again, they're doing all these amazing deep work. Mm-hmm. They're having meals prepared for them. They're getting a lots of rest. They're able to engage with other men, much like a, like a wolf pack or like a community. And then they bring all that other stuff into the session. And we feel into what's it like in their bodies and how do they want to move through it. It's so yeah. hard for me to hear a wolf pack without wanting to like howl or think of the hangover. <laughs> <Do it. laughs> yeah. You know, and the, the truth is, is that most of the men that are coming have never had a one-way dynamic. Mm-hmm. They like the first time that I laid on a table, like, like there's I, always been I, pressure I, to perform. To, to perform, I mean, always in their whole life, everything about our whole lives is about competition, performance, showing up hard, being ready, getting the job done, being a w- breadwinner, provider, like whether Never we fit into those things. categories or not mm-hmm. is irrelevant, but the fact that we're socialized in that direction, right? Yeah. And so like, you know, I started this work for my own complications and demons in the closet and sexual shame and confusion about what I was feeling versus what I was doing. And, 
um, feeling out of integrity and not knowing the language and just like, I came at it through my own work. And the very first time I laid on a table and someone said, um, you know, how would you like to be touched? I, I just started crying. I literally like wet the table and the floor underneath. And like, I was just sobbing because I didn't know. I didn't actually know how to ask for what I truly wanted for my body mm -hmm. in a potentially erotic space with loving care and service. It just, I had only ever known two-way dynamics and had only ever measured my performance based on what my, you know, friends at the time or the porn I grew up with or something had put in place for me to think that's what a good job was. That's what you were doing a good job. Yeah. And to be able to feel pleasure and feel a sense of purpose without really doing a good job was mind blowing to me to just feel for the sake of feeling, to feel pleasure for pleasure's sake, yeah. to feel what I call quantum nutrients, just gushing through my, my body. I, I don't know if you can see, but I have goosebumps right now. Cause I remember mm -hmm. the feeling of just this lightness of being mm -hmm. from it's almost like purposelessness with such exquisite feeling states, right? It's like, I call it a soul boner. It's Ooh. a total soul boner. <laughs> oh, that's hot. <laughs> I know it is hot, but yeah, it's like, it's like that electric, like internal. Yeah. You're like aroused, yeah. but in a pleasant way, but it doesn't have to be sexual per se. Um, I mean, they get anywhere. Do yeah. Anything, yeah. You're is. just like, I'm, I'm hard for life right now. You know, <laughs> I love it. I, I love that description, Cosmo. I almost like started, I did start tearing up a little bit because I think it's, it's so beautiful. And I, I wonder, Melissa, like, how has your opinion, if, if at all, on maybe men in general changed as you've gotten to do body work in collaboration with people with penises? Because Ooh. I do feel like, you know, there's a lot of patriarchal issues. There's a lot of, you know, systemic misogyny and things like that. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, a lot of men do suck. And I like to acknowledge that like, <laughs> as a culture, we have not done a good job of like holding space for men to be any different. And so I wonder yeah. how has it been for you to hold space and like, see what this is like for men, um, you know, when they're working with behind you. Behind the veil. Yeah. It's like yeah. seeing behind the veil and, yeah, great. It's a great question. Yeah. For me as a female practitioner working on mostly cis men, straight white men, I'm not surprised, but I am. Okay. That they're so tender and the depth of their feeling. And yeah, like Cosmo was mentioning, there's not a whole lot of space that we create, especially around sex and intimacy mm -hmm. for men to show up soft literally and figuratively yes mm -hmm. so i i can't tell you how many times i've had men come in and feel shame for not having an erection mm -hmm. uh feeling shame and embarrassment for wanting you know soft feathery light kisses on their face or just my hand on their heart and cock and just stay there you know again this is you know when we open the session room and just let it be relaxed and it's not about this you know we don't have to get you to get your cock hard we don't even have to get you to climax we don't even need to touch your cock right 
but what else is there for you? It's beautiful how they don't have to shore up things anymore. They can literally come unstitched and work, in my opinion, on their mother wound, you know, on their anger with the feminine. So, I mean, and that's, I'm barely touching the surface there. I mean, there's countless sessions that are just mind blowing to me on when we give men space to really um, ask for what they want be held, not pushed, not rushed. It's exquisite. And it's really deeply nourishing to their nervous system, to their whole beingness. Yeah. And I, yeah. I would Mango's add, really good at it. Yeah. I, I can <laughs> imagine. Ass kicker, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's really good at it. I, I do want to just, I just do want to touch because it's such an important thing in it, or topic and it could be a whole other topic, but it's like, well, what we get to see. We'll just with have to male, come back. Yeah. I'd love that. Is working with male bodies is we get to see the people behind the masculine facade, right? Right. And so that socialization, we get to see how the patriarchy has impacted these people in young male bodies that have grown up trying to fit into a world that they're supposed to be a certain way. Yeah, because patriarchy can be harmful for everyone. Everyone. Like, it's just... It really gets to the core and the truth of the the imposition that patriarchy puts on everyone, and that um, so many men. I mean, all the men that come to us are struggling with, and they don't have the words for it. And they think that when someone mentions the constructs of the patriarchy, that they're attacking them. So they have even a hard time even listening that it's impacting them and negatively so. And what does that mean? What does that feel like? How do we change it? We can't get to changing that unless these men have some connection to who they are outside of being a man as the world has crafted them to be. And until we can get to where people live inside their heart, in their bodies, in their genitals, in their sensation, then we're not going to have I mean, we can't be in this in, in a war against masculine and feminine because that's just perpetuating the whole thing. So we need to find the people and the hearts behind all of this. And then we can start coming together and making change, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think was most helpful for you in getting more in touch um, with your desires? And and also, I guess, going back to our initial our initial conversation about desires, like how did you... Yeah. How do you tolerate desires within you um, that you can't necessarily like act on or yeah. Like what's been most helpful for you? First admitting that they exist. So I spend a lot of time in the realm of desire as ether and allow myself to just be like, wow, what does this feel like? Is this mine? Do I have to share it for it to be real? Do I have to share it for it to be permissioned? Am I allowed to have it just moving through me and feeling it? Mm -hmm. And then really having a tangible, um, noticeable difference between fantasy and reality and being able to distinguish and compartmentalize those two, that there are tons of fantasies and desires that I do not want to touch (laughs) my reality (laughs) at all. Me too. (laughs) I just don't even want them to come close to it. First of all, they would wreck the fantasy. Yeah. And then they yeah. would wreck 
reality simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And you do see yeah. that happen. And so, but I think um, the, th- the thing that I, that I see with error. a lot of, that I see with a lot of people is that like, they say that like physically they can't tolerate it in their body. So like how to anything that helped maybe physically to like tolerate the the discomfort that comes up of like actually being in your body and noticing that stuff. Cause a lot of people are like, I can't do it or blue balls or it's too intense. You know, it's like too intense. Yeah. It's trial, trial and error. It's like, it's, it's a, it is, you can't think your way through it. That's why I was saying you have to like lay it all out, mm-hmm. feel it, experience excruciating challenge, heartbreak, um, getting it wrong try again, the capacity to change and learn and feel into where you've impacted people negatively and adjust mm-hmm. so that your, your tuning fork, your integrity meter in your body, like I say, shame shows up as a guidepost. There are, there are guideposts there that say, nah, that, that may be exciting, but it doesn't feel right. And so I always say, if, if it doesn't feel good, and I call it holistic pleasure, if it doesn't feel good in a holistic way, I call isolated pleasure is when it feels really good in the moment, but it feels shitty before and after because um, I don't want anyone to know and I have to try and hide it or this, yeah. that, and the other. But holistic pleasure to me feels good before, during, and after. And that's oh, I what like I that. strive for with my desires mm. is I I feel into like, can I live with this if I bring it to the world? It doesn't have to be perfect. And I, you know, there's a lot of stumbling and clunkiness that you know, can come out, but, um, and trying it in small bites with safe people. Mm -hmm. So you just like take a little bite be like, okay, how is that received? Okay. How did I feel about that? Do I want more of that? Once I've tasted it, do I even want it? Cause there's a lot of times when you might have this idea of a desire and then it comes out and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> after the like, check-in, yeah. right? That tasted different. I, I, yeah. I didn't want that. You know? Yeah. Like and, when you thought it was a water bottle, but it was vodka or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. Definitely had yeah. that happen. Yeah. And so I, yeah, my, the way that I manage it is, um, is in small bites is in feeling states, right? just making sure that does this feel good and then being able to manage and put it back into just the desire bucket. If it's just not going to feel good in my real life. Yeah. Mm. And I think this, I would love to hear Melissa from you. And then sadly we have to wrap up, but hopefully you'll come back and talk more another time. But I, I think this can be applied to, to like non-sexual things as well. Like I imagine like FOMO and just the relationship I have with time and wanting to do everything and how to tolerate the desire to do all the things, but not be able to do all of them. Like it doesn't have to be sexual. It's like Uh all all of life. Um, I have that a lot too, just as a mom, like I'm like, Oh, I want to go on a festival. Right. Or like just take off to Burning Man for like six days. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. But also wham, I, I do a lot of really fun shit. So I'm not missing out actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else either of you would like to add about this, the retreat? I know we just barely scratched the surface, but I I wish everyone would come to retreats like this. So yeah, feel free to promote it, blast it. Like I am a big fan of of this work. Okay, maybe I'll do a little blast. Yeah, I want to hear Cosmo Cosmo okay. because um you're brilliant. So, (laughs) so are we girl? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so our next, uh, retreat is coming up in Austin, but that will be 
passed by the time this goes out. So we've got uh, September 29th to October 5th in BC, Canada, uh, in Souk, BC, which is amazing. And our chef makes us so much great food. And I can't talk about that enough. It's such a big part of it. Uh, And then 2023, we'll have three new dates, likely one in Austin, one in BC, and well, either two in BC or maybe one in Mexico. I got a, a we're sort of flirting. hankering. We're flirting with Mexico. We'll keep you posted on that. And um, one of them we're in, I'm actually in discussion later today with, um, I won't mention the name yet, but uh, with kind of a, a long time kink pro, and we're going to have a kink themed Apollo to drill into a lot of, um, a lot of different uh kink topics and and teach the men about uh what kink is and bdsm and various ways that that works in in their own internal desires i know it's not for me but i want to (laughs) go i'm just gonna send all my partners there instead (laughs) there you go do it do it uh and melissa how can folks find um you and the work that you do because i know you also do other things as well with the um, body joy intimacy yeah yeah so um when i'm not in retreat at the apollo um i'm in austin texas mainly sometimes in northern california but people can reach me at bodyjoy.org um you can also check out my instagram which is bodyjoy intimacy school uh, we're also doing like a member's only type thing, which is very explicit, fun, educational videos with real couples. And and then we're also do sensuous society, which is a whole underground, like adult education, get together, socialize, learn. Yeah. Nice. Oh, so many, so many more questions I want to ask. Uh, yeah. We'll have to have you back for a more explicit one. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much both for joining. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Uh, You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Don't forget to check out uh, awesome Apollo retreats and please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and talk to you next week. 